In the beginning, God instituted the principle of seed time and harvest. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. The grass, the trees, the land animals, even mankind himself, all had seed within themselves that produced a harvest after its own kind. That's seed time and harvest. But sin had such a corrupting influence on the human race that just 1,600 years after Adam and Eve were created, there were only eight righteous people on the entire planet. Think about that. Now, I am a scientist, so I got a mathematics background, and I looked at some of the population models. Conservative estimates that I came up with for a pre-flood population range from 4 billion to 9 billion people. It's kind of shocking, isn't it? And out of that many billions of people, God looked down and he saw only eight righteous people left on the planet. How much longer do you think those eight righteous people could have held out with all of that evil all around them before they themselves were overwhelmed with evil or murdered? Not very long. And as we mentioned last week, the seed of the woman which would produce the bloodline of Jesus was riding on that ark. And so for the sake of the billions that were to come, so that they would have a chance to receive Jesus and become new creations in Christ, he had to destroy all the evil people on the earth. He had to treat it like a cancer and just cut it out. Because it endangered two things. It endangered the living word from coming into the earth. And it endangered the written word of God, which will also come from that same seed. Amen. And he had to have the word as a seed in the earth so that one day that word would produce a harvest of billions of righteous, born-again individuals. Amen? Boy, I got goosebumps just thinking about that. Amen. Hallelujah. Preach it, brother. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. So as we talked about last week, with that destruction, with that flood there came an interruption of the principle of seed time and harvest. Now, the seed was there, don't get me wrong. Underneath all that water, there was seed in the ground. But it had to wait for the floodwaters to recede before it could get sunshine and kick in photosynthesis so the seed could grow and produce. Amen? So God said in Genesis 8, I'm bringing back the principle that I started everything with. He said, while the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So much for global warming. Amen. I'm not worried about the planet. I'm not worried about cows passing gas and destroying the ozone layer. That's a natural process that God instituted. The ozone layer is also a natural process that he instituted. If there's holes in the ozone layer, there must be a way for them to be healed. Amen? 
So, let me read it again. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Whether spiritual or physical, everything that was birthed from that point forward, God said it would follow the principle of seed time and harvest. So it's not a lightweight thing. It's something we need to learn about. Amen? Amen. He said that principle would never, ever be interrupted again. Now, Jesus, as the living word, was a seed himself, and he knew that. And when he was sharing the parable of the sower with his disciples, he said this in Mark chapter 4, verse 11 through 14. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. Amen. Jesus said it was given to his followers to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, which I believe is another way of saying, I'm going to show you how the kingdom of God operates. All these parables illustrate the way that the kingdom of God operates, and the key to understanding all of them is seed time and harvest. Glory to God, there's an anointing on this message. I'm telling you, it's not me. The Word is anointed. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 28. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. So Jesus was a seed, as I said before, and that seed is still producing a harvest of born-again, righteous individuals. Amen? John chapter 12, verse 24 in the NIV. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat fall to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, Jesus is talking about himself here. He was the living word of God, the word incarnate, the word become flesh. Isn't that right? After his death and burial, that seed was planted in the heart of the earth. But after his resurrection and ascension, that seed sprang up and grew, became a tree of life that is still producing a harvest of born again, righteous believers to this day. Glory to God. And he said it produces many seeds. All of us that call ourselves born again, we also are seeds. And others will come to Christ because of the word that we preach. Amen. God knew what he was doing when he instituted seed time and harvest. 1 Peter 1.23 Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. When you receive the incorruptible seed of the Word of God in your heart, new life sprang up on the inside of you, and it produced a harvest in the form of a new man or a new woman. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, which never before existed. That word there means without precedent. 
you are a new man or a new woman that never before existed because the seed of the word was one day planted in your heart and you received it and you got born again. Whoo, glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, I may not understand the mechanics of how that happens. I don't understand how God was able to take out my old man and put a new man in. But the Bible says he did, so I believe it. Amen? Maybe one day we'll have a better understanding of that process. To be born again means he yanks out the old man and puts a new man in. Your spirit man was not healed of sin. (laughs) He had to be replaced. And that's what being born again is all about. Hallelujah. Whoo. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching myself happy this morning. And I mentioned this last week and it bears repeating. One of the most important ways we can operate in the principle of seed time and harvest is by the words that come out of our mouths. Amen. It's important to train your mouth to speak the word of God only. We got to change our conversation. We got to change our vocabulary. We can't keep talking death and despair and sorrow. We got to speak life and hope and mercy and love and provision. And God is on the throne. He'll meet all my needs according to His riches in glory. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we get fretful and we get sorrowful and we get depressed because of the words that are coming out of our mouths. Amen. Train yourself to speak the word. God spoke words that were seeds, calling those things that be not as though they were. That's one of the coolest phrases in all the Bible, I think. God calls those things that be not as though they were. And we need to learn to call those things that be not as though they were. And I like to say it like this. Now, this was original to me. I was the first person I heard say this, but I've heard other preachers say it since, so it's probably the same Holy Ghost. I say it like this. Call those things that be not as though they were until they are. Amen. Glory to God. Romans 4.17 Speaking about Abraham, God said, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Think about that. Abram was his name before God changed it to Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many nations. So every time God said Abraham and spoke to Abraham, he was calling him the father of many nations before he had a single child. God calls those things that be not as though they were. Every time Abraham introduced himself to somebody new and he said, I am Abraham. He was declaring, I am the father of many nations. And he declared it for 25 years before it manifested. (laughs) Glory to God. Sow the seed of the word with the words that come out of your mouth and change the world around you. Jesus spoke words that were seeds, also calling those things that be not as though they were. And I fired off about three or four examples last week. I got a couple more this week and one repeat because it's so good. Jesus was in the habit of what I call future speak. He spoke future. He spoke results. In Mark 5, 39, Jesus told the mourners that surrounded the dead body of Jairus' daughter that she wasn't dead. She was only sleeping. Now, that's bold. She's not dead. She's just taking a nap. Amen. 
Mark eleven fourteen. Jesus cursed the fig tree on the road from Bethany to Jerusalem 24 hours before it dried up from the roots. He was always calling those things that be not as though they were. And then in Luke 17, 6, Jesus said to his followers, if you had faith as the grain of mustard seed, you would say to the sycamine tree, be plucked up from the roots and it would obey you. Amen. In other words, he was saying just a tiny amount of faith can be effective if you will begin to speak what you believe in your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus says, if you had faith, you would say some things. Amen. Start speaking the word. Amen. Amen. So I think we should follow the example of God, our father and our elder brother, Jesus, and learn to operate by the rules of the kingdom that lives within us. Amen. Romans 14, 17, Paul tells us that the kingdom of God is within us. It's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I'm telling you, we just established through the word that the rules and the principles by which the kingdom operates are seed time and harvest. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We should sow seed words of faith and call those things that be not as though they were. Hallelujah. Because our word seeds will produce a harvest. If you plant them God's way, they will produce a harvest. Now, there's a negative side. If you plant Seeds of doubt and fear and anxiety and worry and lack and failure, you will eventually produce a harvest after its own kind. So I just don't even go there. Listen, I may be thinking those things, but I never give voice to them. You will never hear me say I have any sickness or any disease. You will not hear me say that. The most you'll hear me say is I am currently overcoming this condition that's trying to come against me. I am not the sick, but I am the healed. Amen. It's a paradigm shift that we all need to make. And the words that come out of your mouth need to match what you believe in your heart. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to shift here in a slightly different direction. The principle of seed time and harvest also applies to our actions and our finances. Let's read in Luke chapter 6, verse 34 through 38. I've got it in the English Standard Version. It's kind of lengthy, but I think it's important. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Amen. So in this passage, we see that the principle of seed time and harvest is applied in a generic sense to our actions, to our character, to our love walk, and even to our finances. It's the same principle through and through. If you sow love, mercy, and forgiveness, you will reap love, mercy, and forgiveness. If you sow judgment and condemnation, you will reap judgment and condemnation. If you sow financial seed with the right heart attitude, you will reap a financial harvest. 
Why? Because each of those seeds produce after their own kind. Amen. It's seed time and harvest. Galatians 6, 7 makes it real clear. This is the King James. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The Phillips translation is really awesome. Don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. Then the Amplified is even better. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed nor treated with contempt nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside for whatever a man sows, this and this only is what he will reap. That's seed time and harvest. Amen. I think we as the people of God need to learn to be seed minded and not so much need minded. What do you mean by that, Brother Scott? Well, let's read 2 Corinthians 9.10 as a launching off point. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Amen. That's a good scripture. The way I read this, God gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater, and multiplies every seed sown. You'll find the same verbiage almost verbatim in Isaiah 55.10. Let me tell you what I think this verse is saying and how it can be applied on a practical level. God gives seed to the sower, which is bread or provision to the eater or the recipient. Stay with me. That original seed is multiplied and comes back to the sower in the form of a harvest, either as more seed or provision for him. And the cycle begins again. Did everybody follow that? Get the podcast. So if you receive an unexpected financial gift, something that's out of the mainstream of your normal influx or provision, you should ask God the following questions. Is this supposed to be seed or is this meant to meet a need? Most of the time, I think you can apply this general rule of thumb. If it's not enough to meet the need, it may be a seed. Then the only other thing you need to ask the Lord is, Lord, Where do you want me to sow this seed? To be seed-minded, not need-minded. To be more concerned about the needs of others than your own needs. And if you can ever make that paradigm shift, you can get off the world's economy and you can get onto God's economy. And I, for one, want to get on God's economy. I remember hearing the testimony of two leaders that I look up to, Charles Capps, who's already gone to be with the Lord, and another pastor in Australia, basically said the same thing. The Lord revealed to them in an encounter with the Lord and spoke to them and said, there are only 3% of the body of Christ that are walking in provision the way that I desire them to because they don't understand seed time and harvest. Now, I, for one, want to get out of the 97% and get into the 3% and help spread that percentage out. Amen? And help more people make that same paradigm shift to be more concerned about the needs of others that others might be blessed than your own needs. And when you make that shift, God will not allow any lack to come into your life. Amen. Glory to God. So as the people of God, let's learn to apply seed time and harvest to every area of our lives, our love walk, our actions, our character, and our finances, even our destiny. 
Next week, we're going to continue Seed Time and Harvest, and we're going to apply it to fulfilling your personal destiny, following the dream that God has placed in your heart. Amen? God put a seed of a dream in your heart, and it's up to you to listen to his voice and walk it out step by step until it's fulfilled. Amen? Looking forward to that myself. Glory to God. Amen. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again. We believe.